Well, it's a privilege to be able to be here and to be able to share from the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Um, I couldn't possibly share from all of it because there's so much there. And you guys have been walking through the book of Acts together over the last several months, right? So how far into the book of Acts are you at this point? End of 14. You know, we're going through the book of Hebrews, and we started in September, and uh, the other day I was like, hey, because we've been doing it since September, I was, guys, I, I've been wanting to do a series on the book of Hebrews for a really long time, and that's why it's taking a really long time. So uh, we're, we're going to spend like 10 months in Hebrews. I don't know. That's less chapters than Acts, so I don't know when you guys will be done with Acts, but Man, there's so much in there, and it's so good. It's about the church. It's about the spirit. It's about who we are and what we're called to do, who we're called to be. Some of you know me from back when we started, so I've seen you over the years. Some of you are newer to Bethel, and you're like, who is that guy? Uh, so you'll hopefully catch different pieces of the story along the way, but about almost Almost 13 years ago, we moved here to start a church out of this church into Minneapolis, and God was doing something from going to, from just, there, there was something happening here. There was one service, then there were two, and then there were three with the Minneapolis thing going on. It's like, whoa, what's going on? And this church planting kind of thing started to take place, and we got called into that, and then right after that, boom, 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 boom all these other churches started to just like, it was almost like one was popping up every year. And uh, we were the only other church that was a multi-ethnic English-speaking church, but the other churches also, many of them were multi-ethnic, but speaking another language. And so that heart of being a house of prayer for all nations has been shared between all of our churches and since the beginning. And in fact, when I got the phone call from Jim, who, Pastor Jim, I'm sorry, and if we were in other parts of the world, it'd be like Reverend Dr. Bishop, Pastor Olson. Uh, when he called, I was a youth pastor and serving as interim and was just finishing up my master's degree. And I was ready to be done with all of that and just focus in on youth ministry and focus in on the town where we were at. And the phone rang and the Holy Spirit said, it's Jim calling about a church plant, you're going to go. And I was like, because I'm a person of faith and I'm really just spiritual like this, I said, nah. <laughs> and then the secretary, back in the day when I had one of those, buzzed and she's like, Sam, it's Pastor Jim from, from St. Paul. I'm like, <gasps> And then he talked about a bunch of other stuff, and he was checking in on how we were doing at the church, being interim and everything. And then he says, so I'm thinking, maybe, maybe that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was just me. And then near the end, about a half an hour in, he's like, so I wanted to talk to you about this thing that we're doing. And then he went on to talk about the different people involved and kind of what the ideas might be. But then he said this thing, a house of prayer for all nations. And the Holy Spirit within me was like, yes. And then I, all of me had fought that for about a month and then started to investigate into it more. And finally, we said, yes, we'll come. But that whole process um, 
was for me a, a time of really exploring what is the church. So if we're planting a church, I heard about this, this one guy was talking about a church plant. And he didn't know that a church plant was a new church that was started out of another church. And he heard people talking about needing to raise $100,000 for a church plant. And he's like, what kind of a plant is this? It's a really expensive tree. Uh, so when we're, I'm thinking about a church plant, not just what kind of church are, are we called to be, what is, but really stepping it back to what is the church? What is the church called to be? I grew up in church. Some of you know I grew up in Mexico as a son of church planters, the only son, three sisters. And, uh, and then there was me. And uh, I grew up going to church and doing lots of churchy stuff, as often happens in uh, church plants or pastor's kids, missionary kids. I mean, we were doing church stuff every day. I knew how to do church stuff. I was good at doing church stuff. Um, we were really committed to that, and we did a lot. And, uh, and somehow along the way, I became that kid in the church world where you're like, the kid who knows it all and then is also a brat and doesn't really get it. You know, they know all the right answers from the Bible, but they're just terrible as people. That was me. And at some point along the way, God gets a hold of my heart and calls me to the nations. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And then he said, the United States. And I said, no, thank you. I was thinking more like Latin America, my people. And, uh, and he said, no, if you want to go do missions, this is your mission field. And uh, so I had to learn to think like a missionary despite having thought that I knew what that meant. I realized that I didn't know what that meant when I got to the States and I didn't like the people here. <laughs> and I was ready to get out of here. And then God's like, these are the people I sent you to. So if you're going to think like a missionary, it just requires a change of thinking. So church has been a part of my life. Missions has been a part of my life. Leadership has been thrust upon me in different ways. And that's been a part of my life. And when I look at the book of Acts, I see all of these things happening. And I've loved the book of Acts because of that. I see the church and a template for the church for the key principles that, that, that should be involved and present when there is the church in the book of Acts. But I think a lot of times we do like I did, and we, we think of our experiences and what it means to be a church or to, to do church, and that's kind of what we thrust upon our even understanding of the book of Acts instead of peeling it all the way back and going, what exactly was happening in the book of Acts with the early church, and then how should that impact how we do church today? Because a lot of times we think of the church as a place that we go to, because we'll say, are you going to church? We talk about putting roofs on the church and walls on the church and fixing up the church. And the church is a place that we go to, but it's actually not in the book of Acts. The church is a people. And the church, we think about as a program. What time does church start? And our language betrays what we really believe. What time does church start? What time does church end? Because that's important because we want to know when lunch is. We think of the church as something that is connected to a pastor. 
oh, it's so-and-so's church, pastor so-and-so's church. Sometimes pastors think of the church as being the pastor's church. And they'll talk about my church. It's like, it's not your church, it's his church. But so the church isn't a program, it's not a place, it's not a pastor or a personality or a platform. See all that? That's the influence of Jim right there. All those Ps. It gets better, Jim, it gets better. See, the, the church is the people of God, filled with the presence of God, living for the purposes of God, for all people. See, see, they're not, he's just like he's having revival over there. But one thing that we'll notice is that the church in the New Testament and the early church was dedicated to life together. They were dead. I mean, it was the central part of their life was being part of the church. It wasn't something that they did for an hour and a half or two hours on Sundays and maybe volunteered if they had time for it. Like, this was it. They worked a job in order to advance the purpose and the missions and the, of the kingdom of God through the church. So in the book of Acts, we see, and sometimes we call it the Acts of the Apostles, and we might, that might lead us to think about it as being the, the Acts of the, of the, the bigwigs, the, the people who make the decisions, or the, there we go, the Acts of the Apostles. But it's actually the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. The Holy Spirit doing his work through the apostles. And even better than that, we're not going to stop there. It's the Holy Spirit doing his work through the church. Because a lot of the expanding that took place kind of from, from Jerusalem outward wasn't driven by some really well-planned strategic leadership decisions. Stuff happened and the church was on the move. The church was leading the way with, with the apostles involved. It was an apostolic church. Now, that, for some people, the word apostle and apostolic can get a little scary. But it just means, it's from the word apostello. It just means sent. The sent out ones. They were a church on the move. This was not a church that was comfortable. They weren't doing what was comfortable or convenient. They were on the move. They were about the mission because they had a sent one as a model. Jesus was sent, and as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit sent people. It was a church on the move. But before they got on the move, some stuff happened. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Really cool that you guys are doing May 14th, Holy Spirit. We're doing a Holy Spirit focus on May 14th as well. That's kind of cool over at Cross Culture. So the Holy Spirit comes. They're filled with power. And Acts chapter 1 said that they would be filled with, with power. And then they would be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was the progression. You're going to be filled and then you're going to be sent. And something happened, though. There was something special happening in that moment where they were in Jerusalem that allowed something to incubate, to, to, to become, to be the people that they needed to be for the purposes of God. And that's in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. So I'm going to ask if you would go with me there in your Bible to Acts 2, 42 through 47. 
Now, if you would, in your Bible, read it in your preferred translation. You can follow along. Um, I'll read it in my preferred translation, and we'll go from there after we look at it. Ready? Acts 2.42. Se mantenían firmes en la enseñanza de los apóstoles. Okay, I'll switch to English. Here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. We ask that you speak to us, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, you've got the text in front of you. What do you notice of what we just looked at? Just take a minute to look over it, see what stands out to you. What do you notice? Daily. With one accord. And that's not the opposite, you know, the contemporary to the Honda Civic. It's the in oneness, harmony, some of your translations will say. So daily, harmony, one accord, anything else? What do you notice? Generosity. There's a whole bunch there, so you can pick one. Just pick one that hasn't been said. What does it say? Ooh, that's good. Exuberant and joyful. And I'm repeating it for all of you online, just so that you're like, they're saying stuff, but I don't know what they're saying. They devoted themselves. There was devotion. The teaching of the apostles, apostles' doctrine. What else? There was unity. Yeah, the one accord. Harmony. Yeah. What else looks important to you as you, as you look over that? Praising God and having favor with all the people. So they were praising God and they had favor. That means that people weren't like, oh, it's the church people. Which sometimes happens. So we should know that if that's happening, it's not like the early church. Because they had favor with all the people. And they were preaching something that was kind of contradictory to their other teachings. And it was, it was like... Not politically correct to say that Jesus is Lord, okay? So that's in the face of the Romans and in the face of the Jews. Jesus is Lord. And yet, with that message, they had favor with people. Crazy. What else? Wonders and miracles. Yeah, signs and wonders. Breaking of bread and prayer. All right, so you guys have it in front of you. I won't walk through it on the screen then. Um, that's what that was supposed to be up on the screen, was asking you, what do you notice? Uh, but I don't know if, if people are clicking out to a different app in the back, but I've, I keep losing control back here. So I'm going to go back to this. 
There we go. So the church is God's people, filled with God's presence, living for God's purposes for all people. That's my definition of what is the church. So I had to think about that because we came to the place of if we're going to help start a church, we probably should know what one is. Right? And we've got all of these different traditions and these ideas and these different experiences. And then we're having people coming with a bunch of different ideas and experiences. We might want to have a working definition that we can all agree to that this is what it is. It's people. The people of God. But not just like, oh, cool. Yeah, we love each other. God loves us. Children of God. But filled with the presence of God and living for the purposes of God together. All right, this is moving very well. Okay, so let's walk through it. The scripture that we just looked at. There was the apostles' teaching. So what were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching what Jesus taught. They were teaching the word of God. To all the people who didn't get to walk around with them, the twelve were teaching what Jesus had been teaching. And now we have that written down for us in the Gospels. And then we have... Uh, Paul and the other apostles taking the time to dig deeper into some of the specifics and write those down for us so that we could really understand how do we take what Jesus taught and apply that to our lives in a way that makes sense for our life together as the people of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, I don't know about you, but some people's lives are really marked by what they're devoted to, dedicated to. And maybe, maybe you could think of your life and what are you devoted to? What are you dedicated to? So there was this one friend of mine who thought that this would be a really good experiment. And after his results, I would probably not recommend it. But they thought it was a good idea to ask their kids, what's most important to mommy and daddy? So... Mommy asks first, she's like, what's most important? This is like, literally, this is a friend of mine. And what's most important to mommy? And the kids run off, and they come back with her Bible. And it's like, aw. So then dad thinks that's a good idea. I should ask the same question. They, what's most important to daddy? The kids run off, and they come back with a Diet Coke. <laughs> but we can know what's most important to us by where, are, where is our heart? Where are our emotions? What do we put our money into? What do we put our time into? That's what you're dedicated to. What do you always have time for and you'll move your schedule around to do it? Maybe it's exercise. Like you're super fit and you love that kind of thing, so you will always find time to exercise. You're dedicated to that. Maybe it's healthy living. Maybe there's some food in front of you and you know that that's not the healthy choice, so you're like... Feel hungry until you can wait to get the good food that you know that you, that you're, that's part of your plan. Maybe it's thrifty living, and you won't spend money in the wrong places. Maybe it's belongings and having the nicest stuff. Maybe it's your phone, or your computer, or Netflix, or TikTok. Where do you spend your time and your energy and your resources well, they devoted themselves to these different things that I, I mean, you could basically break them down into, uh, they, they were intentionally devoted to some things. Uh, they were intentionally relational with each other. They were intentionally in the presence of God, and they were living completely invested into God's purposes, the mission of God. So the teaching, it, it was followed by the fellowship. 
they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And this is not devoting themselves to donuts and coffee afterwards. All right, that's sometimes what we think about when we think of fellowship, right? We'll say, oh, there's going to be a time of fellowship following. What does that mean? <laughs> like we, we use it like it means food or donuts. Koinonia meant sharing life on every level. All right, again, my definition, after looking through a bunch of different definitions and trying to simplify it down to something we can remember, koinonia is sharing life together on every level. Because we see here, they would sell things and help each other out. They didn't go like, oh, that's mine. So, ah, my stuff, nope. They'd be like freely giving, generously. Because they're like, we're family in the best sense of that word. The children of God together. They weren't hanging on to things. It's like sharing life on every level. And then they were breaking bread. So we know for this for a fact they were not on keto diet. They were breaking bread together. And that probably meant two things. The Lord's Supper. Sometimes we call it communion. We talk about the common union that we have together. The celebration of gratitude, the Eucharisteo, the... The giving of thanks that took place when they took the bread and the cup. So it meant that. But it also meant eating together. Did you know that that's a spiritual thing to do? If we only eat together and we don't do the other things, we're probably gluttons. If there's not a giving of thanks and there's not the for the purposes of God type of stuff happening in our eating together... But when was the last time you had somebody over from church? And by church, I don't mean from the meeting or from the place, but from the people of God. The ones that you said, these are my family. Yesterday, yeah. And you said, let's have a meal together. When is that? Daily. Right? They did things together daily. This was, I don't think that they were, I mean, when you read this, you probably don't see that they're sitting around waiting for the apostles to set the time of the next meeting. Hey, uh, Peter, when are we getting together next? Hey, who should, who should have people over? Peter, can you, can you arrange a schedule of potlucks for us, please? Can you decide who's going to bring the salad? Do this for us. No, there's something inside of the people of God that says, I want to be with you. Hey, when can you come over? Hey, we should grab coffee. And not the kind of we should grab coffee that happens when people say that, but they don't actually schedule it. You know, like, oh, we should grab coffee sometime. Yeah, yeah. I have people who keep telling me that, and we have not grabbed coffee. Because there's not, it's not followed up by when does it work for you. When can we get that on the calendar? Eating together was part of being the church. If we're not eating together regularly... We're missing part of what it means to be the church. One of the relational parts. There's something that happens when you eat together. They were praying together. If we're not praying together, we're not devoted to the same things that they were devoted to. So it's not just praying personally and individually. They were praying together in the temple and house to house. They were doing these things. So dedicating themselves to the word the teaching, it's not just to this. Now we can actually read it for ourselves and we can learn. Sherry, are you guys, with, with the, the faith life stuff that you have, do you have equip, the whole package? Like, 
access to logos and stuff like that? Okay, so you, if you have a Faith Life account, you have access to hundreds of Bible resources, not only the Bible and translations, but tons of Bible resources. You can be dedicating yourself to the Word every day and gathering with people in homes and coming on Sunday. All of that's an option to you. It's not just like, oh, I just do personal prayer. It's just me and Jesus. No, it's me and Jesus. So, yes, that's regular. But then sometimes throughout the week, I get with other people in a smaller group of people, and other times it's with a larger group of people, and every one of those experiences has a different purpose, and even it's a different type of experience. And because of this, because of the Holy Spirit, because of this lifestyle that they were living, because they were dedicated to the right things, some stuff happened. There were signs and wonders. And that those are, it says that there was awe at what was happening. When was the last time something happened? God did something, you were like, whoa. That should be happening. It'll happen if we're doing the other stuff. If we're dedicated, if this is my main thing. This is my main thing. So awe and wonder. So there, were, there was awe and there were signs and wonders. And sometimes we're not sure what signs and wonders are. But signs are signs. And wonder are things that make you wonder. Like, huh, whoa, what's that about? Why did that person start walking? Why did that, why did my back start, stop hurting? How did that person who used to be this way now be that way? Like, they used to be the worst, like me. And now they're like, not so bad. All right, so there's wonder, and it, it raises questions. Because they dedicated themselves, they devoted themselves to the other things, to a lifestyle of that, that was integrated. It wasn't like, um, all right, wow, I don't have enough time for this part. But we'll just summarize. Back, if you look at the early church for about 300 years, roughly, the early church was in it. They're doing it. And then over the course of time, and thanks to Constantine partially, we start moving towards this separation of clergy and laity. There's this separation which starts, and we have priests now, when in fact, Peter tells us that we're all priests. And there's a separation that says, oh, that's what they do, and I don't do that. And then everything that's not in the temple, they started turning churches, the church people, into being defined by the gathering space that was like a temple. And so, in fact, sometimes, thanks to Constantine, they took over pagan temples and just kind of rebranded them. And uh, now it's about that experience of the, 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 the space, the building. And if it doesn't happen in that kind of a space, it's not holy. So then there's, there's sacred and then there's secular. And there's a separation. That's not right for us. Did you know that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're sacred, you're, you're holy, you're set apart for God's purposes, you are carrying the purity of God, and what you touch gets holy, yeah. right? You spread holiness, you spread the power of God. It's not like, oh, I can only do the good things, let's go to the church building. But it was like all that they were doing all day long, every day, so if they were... Uh, mechanics, they were fixing things, if they were builders, they're taking 
the presence of God into those spaces, and they're doing things that are making people go, whoa, what? They're taking a walk, and people are getting healed. They're taking a walk, and people are manifesting. Demons are manifesting behind them. That's the kind of cool, crazy stuff that was happening in the New Testament through the book of Acts. It was every day. It was integrated lifestyles. So this was um, a lifestyle of Christianity, a lifestyle of being the church. They were in the temple and house to house. I think somebody might have clicked. There we go. Thank you. The temple and house to house. It's both end. Throughout church history, we've vacillated kind of uh, like a pendulum swing between those. For, in the United States, I'd say it's pretty safe to say that for much of the history of the United States, we've been focused on the temple type of gathering. The temp, a, a big space, a big group gathering, and that's important. And then there's been some pushback that says, no, we need small groups, we need cell church, we need this, we need that, we need house church. And it's like it can even become like that's the only thing that we need. But we see in the early church, kind of in that first moment that they had before they went out, they had the temple and house to house. Why? Because this was their main thing. They were dedicated to it. But we, oh, I don't have time for a small group. Small groups, if they only exist for the purpose of eating together and being good friends with Christians, then they're probably not the New Testament church. Because there was the teaching, there was prayer, there was fellowship. All of those things were taking place, and they were done in such a way that people were being added to their number daily. Which means that those groups existed for those who weren't there yet. Those gatherings were such that people could come into them. In fact, Paul says that the supernatural things that we tend to think about when we think about a move of God, those are signs not for the believers, but for the unbelievers. So the stuff that should be taking place, the signs and the wonders that's happening all throughout our days, that's not just for us, it's for other people to go. So that means they were around. They weren't going like, oh, it's a churchy thing. Oh, I don't want to go to that. That's weird. They felt comfortable enough to be in that space, even when supernatural things were happening. That made them wonder, maybe there's something to this. Maybe this Jesus stuff does have something to it. Maybe this is true. This was the temple and house to house. Not one or the other. One person wrote in a book called, I think it was the Second Reformation, uh, that with our emphasis to go towards one way or the other, it's like a bird trying to fly with an emphasis only on one wing instead of the other. Oh, we just need large group gatherings. We just need to do them better. We need to be cooler than the world. You know, if cool church was going to win this country for Jesus, we'd already done it. Because, like, nobody does church cooler than the church in the United States. Like, seriously. <laughs> this is the coolest church ever. And yet, the masses aren't coming to Christ. So, that flap in that wing, if you have a bird that's mainly flapping one wing harder than the other, it's going to go in circles. And then everybody pushes back, is like, no, that's fake, that's not authentic. Flap house church only. Still going in circles. Wandering in the wilderness. Getting disconnected. Getting a little weird sometimes. <laughs> Balance. 
temple and house to house. But people will say, and one of the reasons why it doesn't seem to work in the United States is because people say, I don't have time for that. Well, how could I possibly do something on Sunday and something during the week? You know what we need to do is we just need to do something during the week. Or we just need to do Sunday and do it really well. Let's do the intentional, the relational, the spiritual, and the missional all in an hour and a half. Hour and 15 is more popular. Let's just like get it all done. It's not possible. The reason why it worked for them is because they dedicated themselves to this. This was their main thing. So I work my job for the purposes of God. With my family in my neighborhood for the purposes of God. I gather with other believers in my house for the purposes of God. So for the last uh, 13 years, we've been gathering with people in the temple, meaning when we all gather together, and from house to house. In the neighborhoods, out in public. Not like us four and no more. But having groups and gatherings of people that people who aren't Christians are part of those groups. They're part of experiencing Christian community. So that's how we've been living it and trying to figure out what does the church look like? What should the church look like? In the temple and house to house. Not going in circles. But they devoted themselves to this. This was their main thing. Now, that's a different understanding of my life, and so we have a lot of individualism, right? And it's what God's called me to, and not what God's called us to. A lot of my time instead of our time, and that's hard for us to think of, even the, how they, uh, they shared their resources and they sold things. Like, we might skip over that and go, that's communism. <laughs> it's biblical, is what it is. They shared things. So that might mean sharing food. That might mean sharing time, sharing space. That might mean sharing resources. So I love like when people post, hey, I've got this couch. Does anybody want it? That's a level of sharing resources. People talk about tithing, and there's some fundraising happening for the different things here. And people will say about tithing, well, that's an Old Testament concept. You're right. New Testament concept was to sell everything. So, I mean, split the difference. <laughs> Tithing was the starting point. I mean, that was like the baseline. And generosity went above and beyond that. Another point about that the, they met in the temple and from house to house is that when they met in the temple, that wasn't a private meeting. So even their large group gathering was for other people to see. That was in a space where they would have been rejected for being the crazy Jesus people. But as Jews in Jerusalem, they could still go to the temple and have a gathering, and those who were Jews and not Jesus followers could listen. So hey, if we can take any opportunity to either make this space the kind of space where the world wants to come into, or to go where the world already is, and then do the life of being the church, whether in smaller groups of people, or medium-sized groups of people, or large groups of people, and we can do that out in public. Let's do that, because they were doing that. But then something happened. They didn't obey, because the command was to go. They did, like, we are doing church just right. This is amazing. 
and then they didn't go. They got comfortable. So we can see what they did and see that this is what God wants for his people. But we can also learn that that wasn't where it stopped. It was meant to go. This experience is meant for everybody. It's meant to go to all people. So I'd like us to close with prayer, and I think we're going to worship in response. So if you would just pray with me. God, we thank you that you do show us what it means to be the church and what the church is and what it looks like for the church to live for your purposes. God, help us to be dedicated and devoted to your people, to your presence, to your purposes. Lord, where that becomes the the center that we're arranging the rest of our lives around, that it's obvious that because we're dedicated to these things because we're dedicated to you. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to invest all of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasures to see that happen. In our neighborhood, in our family, at our work, when we gather with the church community and when we're scattered throughout the city as a church community. We want to see your kingdom come. I want to ask you just to reflect on this. Are there other things that you've been devoted to that have kept you from being devoted to these things? Maybe it's the, it's the news or your news feed. that kept you from being dedicated to God's word. Maybe it was sports or your own entertainment that kept you from being devoted to God's people. Maybe it was pursuing fun or the next exciting thing or, or even uh, purpose in, in, in work rather than purpose in the presence of God that kept you from being in his presence with the people of God. Maybe it's been work or possessions or other things that kept you from giving it all for his purposes in your neighborhood or at your work. Well, if I say that, I might get fired, or if I do that, I might this or I might that. And if God's stirring in your heart just some conviction around any one of those things where, man, I've devoted myself to the wrong things, or in this area, this has taken the main center stage, this is what I'm known for. Maybe it's a time for you to repent today and turn from that and say, God, I want to devote myself to this. I want to devote myself to that. God, I want to be known as one who has given themselves fully to that. And I want to invite you today, just repent. Talk to him about it. Maybe it's a, a conversation of saying, God, I, I dedicate myself to these things. I dedicate myself to you. So in case you're wondering, church is not over. True? <laughs> we are the people of God living for God's purposes by his presence and power. Church is not over. Because we, the church, are just 
beginning or continuing or ongoing. And I don't know if there's anything better to live for than God's purposes. Anybody got a Anybody got an option that's better, that's going to be longer lasting than God's purposes? Anybody have a way to live that's going to be more possible than God's power and presence? More joyful than God's presence? And any, anything more expansive than for all peoples? <laughs> that's pretty big, isn't it? And isn't it cool to be part of that big a purpose, a mission, a people of God all over the world? And so I don't know what uh, spoke to you. I hope there's one thing that you said, you know, I want to be more devoted to that because I might receive more that way. I might see more happen or, or whatever it is, okay? I hope there's one thing. So for me, my immediate application is this. Does anybody want to go out for lunch? <laughs> Got to be back here at one, but uh, let's eat together. So talk to me afterwards. Um, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we get to be part of your people for your purposes and filled with your presence and power. We do not deserve that. But you have welcomed us because you welcome all peoples. Would you make us devoted? We can't do it because we so easily get distracted instead of devoted. Focus us. Give us devotion to your purposes. So now, in the name of of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Yes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, go and glorify God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.